What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host here on this Monday edition of the show. I'll be your solo host today. It's a travel day for both Kyle and I as we are both headed to Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. And when we are traveling, it's often hard to sync up schedules so that we can record a podcast. And so I'm going to handle this solo today. And I think that's okay because my purpose in this podcast is to explain what you guys saw in my 2020 NFL Mock Draft 6.0, which released on the draftnetwork.com today. A pretty aggressive scenario that I presented for your consideration. And let me just say this, until we get to the week of the draft, when my final mock draft comes out, my goal is to present scenarios, reasonable, well-thought-out scenarios of how things could play out in the draft at the end of April. The last mock draft that I do, my goal is 100% to predict what I think will happen. Now, I know it's late February, it's combine week, but it's still early in this process in terms of really pushing all the pieces of the puzzle together to understand as best you can what the NFL is going to do and how they value these players. Until we have all of that information, it's just about putting scenarios out there. Now, I went aggressive on this mock draft, but I think I have well thought out reasoning as to why I could see this as a possibility. And as you probably know, the big domino, the big curveball in this mock draft is I have Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback from Alabama, going number three overall to the Detroit Lions. And so we talk about all these scenarios where all these teams could trade up to number three and the Lions can move back. But I want to talk about the possibility of Tua going number three. That's the purpose of that mock draft was to show you what it could look like if that domino were to fall in that regard. So today on this podcast, I am going to take some time to compliment the analysis that I offered in the draft in the podcast form so you can understand where I'm coming from and hopefully uh, have an open mind and we can get to a reasonable ground here as to why I presented this scenario. So just kind of working through the first two picks, nothing surprising there. Joe Burrow to the Bengals. Until we hear Joe Burrow come out and say, I'm not playing for the Bengals. He's going to be the pick in my mind. We have Chase Young to the Redskins. And then here we go. Detroit Lions take Tua. So the first thought here that goes through my mind is if you're picking number three and you have all these teams that want to move up for a quarterback, you know, the Miami Dolphins at five, Los Angeles Chargers at six, the even the Carolina Panthers at seven. If all of these teams want to move up for a quarterback, the first thing you need to do is examine your own quarterback situation and consider the possibility of adding him for yourself. Matthew Stafford's the quarterback for the Detroit Lions. He's a good, I'd even say he's an above-average NFL starting quarterback. At times, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one that you can absolutely win with. But there's some concerns with Stafford. The last two years, he's dealt with some pretty significant back problems. 2018, he played the whole season with a broken back. In 2019, he missed the last eight games of the season after having another back problem where, uh, well, let me see, I don't, I'm not a medical guy. Let me pull this up. He had uh, a non, 
excuse me, let me get this right, a non-displaced fracture in his upper thoracic spine. Missed half the season, the last half of the season with that. Now, prior to these last two years where he was dealing with back problems, or actually prior to the moment where he stopped playing in 2019, he had started 136 games in a row. But now he's 32 with these back problems. And let's face it, the guys made over $200 million from the Detroit Lions playing football for them. I I mean, honestly, how much of an appetite will he have to continue playing if another big injury comes his way? I'm not saying he's Andrew Luck. I'm not saying it's the same situation. I don't know how those guys are wired and how they they are approaching their injuries. But we saw a very talented young quarterback retire because of, you know, a long run of injuries. Who knows what will happen with Matthew Stafford? So I know that his contract situation makes this challenging. He signed for several more seasons and he carries, I think, $32 million in dead cap space if he's not on the Lions this year. So part of that domino is that in my scenario, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trading pick number 14 in the first round this year and a 2021 second round pick to acquire Matt Stafford. To me, that makes sense. We know Bruce Arians loves big armed quarterbacks. He's pretty outspoken about Jameis and that, you know, the team could win with other quarterbacks and he needs to get the defense right. And Bruce Arians was just retired. You think he came out of retirement to have a project at quarterback? He wants to win. I can see Tampa doing something like this and acquiring that premium draft capital certainly eases the sting of biting the bullet on $32 million in dead cap space. Am I predicting this? And I'm saying this will happen. I am not doing that. I'm presenting a scenario and I hope that you're finding this to be well thought out. So we've talked about the dead app. Did we talked about the, the infrastructure for Detroit in terms of should they be considering a quarterback? We talked about the dead cap implications and how the ease of that could be relieved by trading Stafford and getting some draft capital back. Stafford's 32 aging back problems. The other thing that becomes challenging here is that everyone says this is a make or break season for Matt Patricia, the head coach in Detroit and Bob Quinn, the general manager. And I agree it's a make or break season, but what, I mean, what do we mean by make or break? Jim Caldwell was the coach in Detroit for four years before Matt Patricia got to town. Jim Caldwell had a winning record in three out of four seasons. He made the playoffs twice. He got fired. They didn't bring him back. He's not the coach anymore. What Quinn and Patricia need to do is inspire belief in ownership that they have the right thing going. And maybe one way to do that is to get Tua, show some promise with him, on the field and make ownership believe that the best thing for Tua and this organization moving forward is continuing to roll with Quinn and Patricia because there's some hope here. They need to inspire hope that this group can engineer a football team that can make deep postseason runs because Jim Caldwell, three winning seasons in four years, made the playoffs twice. I think it's worth considering. I think it's worth considering. If you're going to have all these teams that want to move up to three for this quarterback, you have to examine your own situation. And I think I can find reasonable angles as to why it's a a scenario that's worth discussing. So I have the Giants taking Jedrick Wills at number four. 
Justin Herbert to the Dolphins at five. So there's a domino. Um, you know, the Dolphins have had interest in Herbert for a couple years now. And um, he's a very talented, physically gifted quarterback. He's polarizing. I get it. He's not a finished product. He needs a lot of work. So did Josh Allen. So does Daniel Jones. So does Mitch Trubisky. And I'm not sitting here saying that your goal should be able to, should should be to uh, get a quarterback that have that have had the success that those three guys have had and, and those types of things. But I'm telling you that Justin Herbert's starting point entering the NFL is significantly better than Allen Jones and Trubisky. So don't tell me a team wouldn't take him at five because they would. He's a reasonable chance to have a franchise quarterback. And I think the Dolphins should consider him. All right, so now one of the things that is a symptom of my scenario is that Jeffrey Akuda slides a little bit. But I want to tell you about what happens with Akuda. But first, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance to get extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay 5 bucks for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, so with Jeff Akuda, the elite cornerback prospect from Ohio State, still on the board at number 6, this spurns some action here, and I have the Jacksonville Jaguars moving up from number nine to number six to go get Akuda. Not a, a big jump, but this is a team that just traded away Jalen Ramsey. They're probably going to have to release A.J. Bouye because they need to get under the salary cap, and they have no answers at cornerback after those guys. And so Akuda comes in, and they 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 you replace Ramsey in the best possible way you can with Akuda, and really start to rebuild that cornerback position, which is an important one in the NFL, a premium position. So I have them parting with pick number forty-two, and given they have two first-round picks, I certainly believe that eases some of that sting uh, in terms of giving away that second-round pick. But the Jaguars, that that defense from twenty seventeen, man, it's. <laughs> It feels like a long memory since that unit was on the field, and they need to start getting some pieces back in place to get their defense back up to back up to par. And you know, I don't know what pos- what chances they have to to get an upgrade at quarterback right now with the Foles contract, and then you know, Gardner Minshew. Maybe he'll be the guy, but uh, maybe the best thing they can do for those guys is to get a competent defense and take some of that pressure off of these quarterbacks that you know kind of appear to be underwhelming options. So. There's my next, or I guess that's my first trade-up, is the Jaguars moving up to number six to get Jeff Akuda. Now, at number seven, we have another trade, another symptom of everything that's happened here with two at three, Herbert at five, is that Derek Brown is available at number seven. And the Carolina Panthers own the number seven overall pick, but the, De- the Carolina Panthers are rebuilding. 
They have a ton of work to do to get this roster up to snuff. And this is the first of of two tradebacks for the Carolina Panthers in this draft. Matt Rule, um, seven-year contract to build Carolina into a sustainable winner. And uh, they need to get a lot of things right on this roster. The way that you do that is you stockpile assets. And I have them acquiring picks 13, 44, and 122 overall in exchange for number seven. And this is where the Colts move up for Derek Brown. And uh, I think it's a wonderful fit. The Colts have a blue chip player uh, on their offensive line in Quentin Nelson. We saw the impact that he had in terms of transforming that offensive line. Now you get a player like Derek Brown, who I think can have a similar impact on the defensive line. And you have two pillars, cornerstones of your franchise, in place on the offensive line and the defensive line both on rookie deals, and you should feel really good about that infrastructure in place as the Colts work to get back on track after the luck retirement. Remember, the AFC South put two teams in the playoffs last year. The Colts were a really good team in 2018, but they, you know, they weren't the same team in 2019. And so for them to get back on track, you know, they're going to need to make some aggressive moves here and continue to build this thing. And if they have a chance to go up and get a, a Derek Brown, I think it's something they should consider, especially given that they have that high second-round pick, I think 33 or 34 they own. Uh, and so you, go get your guy and get that foundational piece of your roster on the defensive line to complement what you have done offensively with Quentin Nelson. C.D. Lamb to the Cardinals at 8. Then the, the Chargers move back from 6 to 9, and they get a much-needed offensive tackle. So this is the spot where um, the Jaguars were originally picking – and you know whether it's Tyrod or whoever the next quarterback is in Jacks or in Los Angeles for the Chargers, you know they're going to need a lot better protection than what was given to Philip Rivers over the last few years. And so Tristan Wirfs is a, a mauler in the run game, has all kinds of mobility, and uh, with Anthony Lynn as the head coach, you know they're going to want to run the ball. And and this is the type of offensive lineman he needs to get that get that vertical push. Uh, in the run game and and really get that get that uh, offense going the way he envisions it. So uh, to me, for the Chargers to move back from six to nine, still get a high quality offensive lineman and acquire an additional second round pick, a high second round pick, forty two overall, makes a lot of sense to me. Here's the next big blockbuster trade. I have the Cleveland Browns trading out of number ten, and the Eagles moving up from twenty one to go get Isaiah Simmons. So the terms of the deal is the Eagles acquire number ten. The Browns acquire 21, 53, 117, and a 2021 third-round selection. Somewhat like the deal that we saw the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers execute last year when the Steelers moved up uh, to go get Devin Bush. And so now the cross-state rival Eagles move up to get a a really high-impact linebacker in Isaiah Simmons. And, um, you know, the Eagles just released... Uh, Nigel Bradham, my goodness, the second level of their defense just has no talent at all. Well, you want to get talent on the second level of your defense, go get Isaiah Simmons. We've talked a lot about him on this podcast and what he can be. And, uh, you know, this is a team, this Eagles team going into 2019 was viewed as a Super Bowl contender. We picked them to win the Super Bowl on this podcast. Obviously, injuries got in the way of that happening, but. Uh, you know, they still need a lot of help on defense, especially with the Bradham release and some issues in the secondary. Um, I can see this being a target for the Eagles that if he gets to 10 and, and the way the dominoes fell to this point where, you know, Howie Roseman may want to go get his guy and really get that 
new face of the defense along with Fletcher Cox to really take things to the next level and give them that second level enforcer that you need in today's NFL. So uh, the Eagles, a team that I still think have a lot of pieces in place to be a championship caliber team. Now they have a, a blue chip player to add to their defense and um, really help get that unit back on track. Uh, Mikai Becton to the Jets, Jerry Judy to the Raiders. Here's the next big trade up. The Buffalo Bills move up from 22 and they move up to number 13 and they go get Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver from Alabama. Let me explain why I think this could be a possibility. The um, the Bills under Brandon Bean, they have traded up four times in two drafts. They moved up for Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Cody Ford, and Dawson Knox. Um, in the one draft that was run by Sean McDermott, they moved up for Zay Jones and Deion Dawkins. So this is a team that has done six trades up in the last three drafts. They go get their guys. And on Bleacher Report's Stick to Football podcast with Matt Miller and Connor Rogers and Connor Rogers and Mello, uh, Brandon Bean was on there during the Senior Bowl, and he said this to them in terms of what he was looking for this offseason. We will look for any type of playmakers. I call them touchdown makers, guys who can get the ball in their hands and take the pressure off Josh Allen where he doesn't feel like he has to make every play himself. Playmakers that can make a guy miss, and he can take it 50 yards. Well, Henry Ruggs scored 25 touchdowns on 100 touches at Alabama. That is a description of Henry Ruggs if I've ever seen it. And the Bills need more playmakers. They have a top three defense. They have 80-plus million dollars in cap space. But the reality is they're going to be stuck if they don't get more around Josh Allen that can help that offense become more consistent and they can score more touchdowns. The offense moved the ball pretty well at times. Just different things caused it to to stall out. Now you get a guy like Henry Ruggs that is a spacing nightmare for opponents uh, where you can get him the ball in the short to intermediate areas of the field as well as vertically, and you have a dynamic playmaker. Uh, Josh Allen has not been a good deep passer in the NFL, but he made significant strides. I'd actually call him a good short to intermediate passer, and that's really where you can get the ball to Henry Ruggs quick, and he can make guys look silly trying to keep pace with him. He's going to win just about every foot race he's challenged with in the NFL. And uh, it's just tough for guys to get their hands on him. And so you put him with John Brown and Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary, well, all of a sudden you feel pretty good about what's around Josh Allen with an offensive line that uh, should mostly return, that played much better uh, last year. Brandon Bean rebuilt that last offseason. And so um, I think this is a very on-brand move for the Buffalo Bills to go up, get a guy that would mean a lot for their offense and fits the descriptions of what Brandon Bean has said this team needs this offseason. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, The Detroit Lions, they acquire pick number 14 from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in exchange for Matthew Stafford, and this is where they take Javon Kinlaw. You know, a a total freak of an athlete, uh, a guy with a ton of potential at defensive tackle. You know, this is a, a Lions defensive line that, you know, Damon Harrison was just released. Mike Daniels, Ashawn Robinson are free agents, and they could really use a penetration style player like this in the middle of their defense. And so, I think a guy with, you know, from a talent perspective, a really an unlimited ceiling that Matt Patricia can have on his defensive line and really help get things going. I mean, Matt Patricia was brought in to be 
uh, uh, you know, because of his defensive mastery. Well, he had the 31st ranked defense last year, and it looks like there's going to be some more pieces of it that are leaving. And so for him to, he needs to get some talent in there and he needs to make this defense a strength of the team. And by part of, part of being able to do that is, is solidifying things up front. Um, so let's kind of focus the rest of the way here on, you know, what happened with some of these trade backs and who some of these teams got in return. Uh, the, the Browns who traded uh, back from 10 to 21, they still get an offensive tackle that they need uh, in Josh Jones. Uh, you know, they really did failed to to build the offensive lineup around Baker Mayfield, and that was very detrimental to his development. So now you get Josh Jones, a four-year starter at Houston, who has all the physical tools to be a really good pass blocker in the NFL. And, you know, they get all that other capital in exchange in for this this trade. And uh, you know, you look at it and in, in, in the second round they were able to get you know, a safety that they really could use in Ashton Davis. So uh, you can kind of see how they were able to move back and, and address multiple needs with really good players. The Panthers move back from, you know, from seven to 13 to 22 and get all this extra draft capital. And in the first round, they still get a really good player in AJ Epinesa. Think about Phil Snow and Baylor and that defense that they had last year. James Lynch was a big part of what they did, made a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage and, and really played with a lot of energy in AJ Epinesa is an infinitely more talented version of James Lynch. And, uh, you know, I think that's the type of player that they can use. And I, I really, if you look throughout the course of what I had the Panthers doing, it was going out and getting trench players offensively and defensively to start getting this, this nucleus, this infrastructure right so that you could start building the edges and start making this roster one that's going to be com- ready to compete for a long, long time. And I think part of doing that is getting the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football Right. And, and so um, that's what I was able to do with the Panthers. And I think that's going to be really important for them. Uh, I, I, I just don't know that they're ready to add that young quarterback yet. You know, it's it would be a, a, a difficult situation. So get get things right around that quarterback for when he comes. And I think you'll see that acclimation a lot better. Um, we've seen other teams do that as well. The Bills in 2017 had a need at quarterback. You know, they kind of they passed the buck on that and um, got things in better shape long term to to add a Josh Allen. Uh, you know, even Miami last year, they could have went after one of those quarterbacks, whether it was Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins, and, and they didn't do that. Um, and so, you know, there's been other examples of that as well. You have to be ready to make that move, and uh, I think Carolina can do a lot for itself this offseason to get itself ready to bring in that quarterback in the future. And I think. The idea of them going out and getting a bunch of, you know, trench players both sides of the football is a really good way to uh, to start building up the trenches there. So there you have it. Um, obviously, go to thedraftnetwork.com. It's a two round mock draft. You can see all the picks, all of my analysis on them. Uh, certainly a very different scenario. I think I think comparing this to my previous mock draft, I only three picks were like the same. So a lot of a lot of changes in terms of where I can see things going differently and, and some fresh ideas in this mock draft scenario where, you know, that was my entire goal. Like I said, in the open is to give you a unique scenario uh, and one that I think is worth consideration. And uh, I think my reasoning, you know, is, is pretty valid in terms of why and why this could be, you know, certainly worth our discussion at this point in the process, obviously a long way to go, a lot of information to uncover 
And this is going to change again when we when I do my next mock draft. And even when our next mock draft on the Draft Network comes out next Monday, you know things are fluid and it's ever-changing. And uh, I thought this was a fun idea to show some of the aggressive moves that could be made here in this, this draft uh, that, that made sense at least to me. So uh, would love to get your feedback. You guys can hit me up on Twitter at the, at the Joe Marino. I'm also hosting a, um, uh, a Q and a in our premium forum uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So if you're not a TDN, pre- TDN premium member or you are, and you haven't gotten to the Slack channel, make sure you get in there. So that way at 11 o'clock I can hop in there uh, before my flight leaves and uh, and talk to you guys all about this draft and get very specific with anything, uh, any questions you may have. So looking forward to that as well. Looking forward to covering the NFL scouting combine for you this week, along with my colleagues at the Draft Network. We've got a ton of staff, uh, boots on the ground for you. Uh, we, we have a really aggressive plan to cover the event, and so uh, make sure you're plugged into what's happening. Be, uh, be checking out thedraftnetwork.com and make sure you're following us on Twitter at DraftNetwork. LLC. Well, Kyle and I will be back for you together again tomorrow uh, in person to record our podcast and obviously a big week with the NFL Scouting Combine. So much to talk about, so don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and we will catch up with you guys tomorrow.